Welcome to the Dope Black Woman podcast, the podcast where we share stories of black excellence as part of our safe digital sisterhood. I'm Leanne Levos. I'm Rashan. You can call me Shan. I'm Livs. Hey guys, how you doing? How you doing? Hey, hey Livs. Hey. I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? Good. Actually, it's been a good month, like a busy month, but a really good month. Like good things have happened. Um, I traveled for the first time since the pandemic, well, since I moved to Jamaica, which was nice to be outside for a little bit. Yeah, it's been a good month. I can't, I can't complain. Yeah, same. I only paused because I was like, who's going to go first? (laughs) I've been been in a really, really good, um, like headspace and on really positive vibes recently and it's interesting actually because I don't know if it's because of my anxiety or because it hasn't been this like level of happiness and like even from before the pandemic just ages I didn't realize that I hadn't felt happy in a long time until I was like feeling what I'm feeling now and I was talking to someone about it the other day what did she say I oh so I said to her that like I'm almost planning for it to like end for like the, ha- the level of happiness to end because I'm not used to it and then she was like no but you should plan for it to continue if you want it to be your new norm it can be and I was like you know what it's actually perspective like I was focused on the negative I was trying to find a negative from a very positive situation and I just feel like mm-hmm. it's important to share that for anybody else that could be feeling the same you know I, like the pandemic is slowly drawing to an end and I think a lot of people are looking forward to the future and when you live with like a long-term mental illness whether that is um anxiety or depression it is kind of this like what if something goes wrong like what if something bad happens like what if this feeling doesn't last forever Mm. um yeah so I totally get that I was just gonna say I think it's a really normal reaction to have and I think for me therapy has built in this kind of safety net for me where even when I have those thoughts it's like, yeah, this probably will come to an end, this feeling of like joy and happiness, but whatever comes ahead of it, I feel prepared to take on that challenge or to take on that shift. And like we say all the time, mm-hmm. go and see your therapist. It's an important part of... <laughs> no, it is. like <laughs> It is. It is. I'm laughing because I ain't seen my therapist in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, therapy saves all of us, I think. Um, but today, actually, this is something that probably many of us should go and see uh, cognitive behavioral therapists about, right, Livs? What are we talking about today? Well, we are talking about taboos and um, just kind of going through some of the things that even, you know, on the Dope Black Women podcast, you may have never heard of us speak about before or conversation which just can be quite difficult to have um and something that I wanted to bring to the table is skin picking I think that this is like one of those things that if you do it it consumes so much of your life but Mm -hmm. for other people it's something they probably never thought about in 100 years um and yeah I just wanted to kind of explore it really because I know for myself it impacts me all the time where um for people who I guess aren't familiar with it 
when anxiety strikes or sometimes it can be a compulsive need um, from having OCD you know you'll start with like a small little scratch and you will just pick and pick and pick until you scar yourself and I now have scars all over my body which are self-inflicted um and I think it's just something people don't really talk about Mm. and I guess especially like now that we're getting into the warmer weather people are going to be wearing less clothes you're probably going to be seeing some people that might have scars and I guess just raising that awareness that like you don't always know what people are going through or where those scars come from yeah I I definitely um have to deal with this a lot and I remember when I worked in Birmingham um it got to the point where it was so like overwhelming and consuming that like people at work would mention it to me but more in like a more in like a way because they wanted to help me not like oh you're picking your face again it was like oh what can we do to help and then literally what they would do was they would every time I went to pick my face they'll pull my hand down and then eventually no. the embarrassment from that, it, it, even though it wasn't trying to be them trying to embarrass me, but the embarrassment from that made me stop. So I feel like now I've got, now it only happens in peak. So now it's only when I'm like extremely anxious or extremely stressed, I'll go through phases throughout the year where I'll be like picking like crazy. Um, but before it was literally 24 seven. And I think what's so frustrating about it is literally like what you just said about like when summer comes. So for me, because it's on my face, it's not it's not a seasonal thing it's 24 7 do you get what I mean mm. so I'll get to a point where my like scars will start oh I'm feeling emotional um I'll get to oh. a point where like my scars will start to fade and then I'll be like something will trigger my anxiety or trigger me to feel stressed and then I'll start picking again and then I'm going through it all, all over again and I guess you can probably relate to it Liz where like you're picking and then it starts bleeding and then you're still picking and then <laughs> you get that like layer of skin the next day where you try to like not pick and then you pick again and it's just like this constant thing until eventually it becomes like a flat smooth scar and it's just such a vicious cycle to keep being in when did it start for you guys were you teenagers like was there a specific moment where you remember it being a satisfying way of relieving stress um I'll probably say my teenage years is when it started and I don't think it was I can't really pinpoint it down to like one specific event or you know I can't really remember the first time I started I guess because like most people have like you know if they see like a scab they might pick it or whatever but like it takes a while until you realize like this is a repetitive thing I do Mm -hmm. like this is a repetitive thing I keep going back to and I like it, it, yeah, it does re- give some kind of release. Um, the other thing that I would do, and I still kind of do sometimes, oop, is, <laughs> is a, and again, this is, I think this is quite taboo, is like ingrown, picking ingrown hairs. <laughs> On my legs. Um, yeah, because like, you look at it and you're like, I need to get that out. Like, I can't, I can't live with that there. Like, I need to pick that out. It's causing me stress to see this little bump. But now you've made yourself bleed and eventually scar but that small <laughs> sweet release you get for like the first 10 seconds makes it worth it mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so bad <laughs> it's so bad because it is self-inflicted and I think like you mentioned Rashad with the bleeding this is like another reason it's taboo because like if you're out and you're doing it I've had people be like oh like why like why are you picking yourself like Ew, like it's kind of gross but you know people don't realize that it is a coping mechanism and I think it's hard, especially when you've got like, so obviously like before everyone was like anti-black women, not not everyone was anti-black women, but I feel like it wasn't as desired as I feel like we are becoming 
now if that makes sense and I feel like now mm-hmm. there's like a hyper sexualization or hyper focus on like black women's skin and you'll see people like mm-hmm. oh skin goals skin there skin that I've seen like a, a rise in skin bloggers and nothing's wrong with that that's all well and great yeah but when I follow p- pages like that I realize that sometimes it can be quite harmful to my own um my own ideas and my own thinking because none of those people have skin like me like most of the skin mm-hmm. bloggers that I know their skin is flawless. Yeah, flawless, <laughs> they, honey. Never had, like, not one pimple, They've never nothing. had a, they, like, they don't have. Do you understand what I mean? So be like, use this pro- use this product. It's great for hyperpigment. Use this product. It's great for hyperpigmentation. And then they'll show you before and after, and both of the pictures look the same. And I'm like, sis, show me when you actually had hyperpigmentation. <laughs> like, be honest with be honest with us, please. One hundred percent. And I guess like as well because as you mentioned, like you know this whole kind of like oh melanin popping like melanin goals like da, 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 da. but then you look at it and you're like I know even on a good day my skin doesn't look like that <laughs> <laughs> that glow that glow my skin's never seen that glow even in Jamaica <laughs> <Never seen. laughs> oh my god and I guess that and there are obviously there are similar um things that people do um you know like picking picking your hair is a big one I know some people do mm-hmm. like whether that's picking it from like straight off the top of your head like and it's a kind of thing where you know to some people it's like why would you do that like why would you do that to yourself but it is so much about like just gaining just the tiniest bit of control in a situation um I mean are, are do we call those taboos because they are I feel like we should define what exactly what a taboo is um I guess I would call it a taboo because like I'm thinking about the situations I've been in where I've been out like when I say out I mean like not at home so I could be at work and I've picked and now my arm is bleeding and someone's like oh your arm is bleeding and I'm like yeah yeah I picked it and they're looking at me like I'm a weirdo like they're disgusting (laughs) (laughs) or my arm is literally red raw from where I've been scratching it and they're like oh my god what did you do and you're like I just been scratching and like <laughs> they're looking at you like what's wrong with this girl rather than out of a place of sympathy like it's really good to hear that your co-workers in Birmingham were so supportive because I think that is quite rare like even with my friends and family if they see me doing it they're just like stop picking you know no, yeah my like... mom, listen my mom my mom um a previous partner I was with they were like that and I know it comes from a good place because they know how upset it gets me but they're not understanding that I can't just stop. Of course, if I could stop, I would stop. Because why on earth do I want to have scars all over my face? Like, just think about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, everyone just think rationally. If if I could, if it was e- if it was as easy as you saying, just stop, I would not have done it in the first place. You understand? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're picking and someone says, stop picking, it's the equivalent of being depressed and someone's like, just Be don't happy. worry about it. Well. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, thanks. I never thought of that. That's a good point, actually. So what is an effective mechanism for people to support you in reducing the amount of um, picking that you do, Lives? Like what would be, Orshan, what would be some tips for people or family members friends like how do you get somebody to stop picking because I would do that like instinctively I'm sure I've been on Skype with Shan and she's picked her face and I'm like Shan (laughs) (laughs) there's some relationships that you have with people where there is a safe space for you to do that I mean I can't remember a time that you've done that but you probably have and I haven't reacted it reacted to it or felt 
like negative feelings towards it because it's just, like we have a sisterhood between us do you understand what I mean and it's, it's also the way it's also the way you do it and the intention behind it that's why I said a minute ago like I know when my mum does it for example she's not trying to do it to humiliate me or whatever but I still think with her there's a lack of understanding to a certain degree I don't even know there's lack of understanding because she picks her hair so she she must get it <laughs> but mm. I mean like the I don't think there's compassion when she delivers it to, when she delivers it to me I need more compassion from her I need more empathy like, oh, man, like just move my hand politely just be nicely but she'll be like stop picking mm. what are you doing <laughs> like babes calm down like, it's not yours to be honest the main one is like don't bring it up okay and which I know it sounds stupid but like don't make me more conscious of it than I already am like if we want to talk about it talk about it at a time when I'm not actually picking mm. and you might be like oh I saw this product it looks really good or like have you tried this cream but if I'm picking and then you go into why do you pick why do you do that you're now causing me to spiral do you okay. know what I mean it's like you're not helping in that situation it's kind of like yeah if someone was having a mental breakdown or anxiety attack that isn't the moment to then be like so why are you depressed <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what I was saying it's to do with the it's to do with the approach do you get what I mean because if someone just says it and they're not they're not evoking a conversation from it it's like you can just take that on and do whatever you either stop picking or you continue whereas if someone's now making you feel guilty for doing it I feel like that's where it becomes a problem it's like I did some research the other day into I know this isn't the exact same thing at all but I did research into how to um, support someone who self-harmed and it was saying like stop don't don't try not to control the fact that they are self-harming but try to find solutions for the feelings they get when they self-harm do you get what I mean so mm -hmm. it's like changing the it's like changing the narrative because ultimately when you're when someone's doing that it's a it's a personal thing to them as opposed to it being like to you who might be observing them yeah I mean it's interesting you bring up self-harm because again I think this is why it's such a boo actually um my therapist told me that picking is a form of self-harm because you are harming your skin and like we said you are leaving yourself with scars and you know obviously there are levels to it and it's not as dangerous as other I guess more well-known forms of self-harm but like you're still harming yourself which is the definition and I guess like you know to someone who doesn't understand it's just like why on earth would you do that to yourself? Like, why on earth would you scar your own body? Um, and I think that's interesting. Well, I mean, I think the interesting thing is that obviously it's not your intention to scar yourself, as Shan pointed out. It's something, obviously, you don't want the scars. It's the actual process that you're seeking out, right? Mm, it's a release. It's a release for that, for that 10 seconds. Yeah. Which and then afterwards, you're like, oh, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just have to cry. Not another ten more. Not another one. <laughs> now I've got to buy a more expensive skin product. No. Do you know what the worst is? Like, say you're using a skin product that like says it helps with scars, and it's like you know used ten days in a row, and on day four you start picking again, and you're like, I'm sorry, I no stop it's when you're using one and you love it and it's like don't use an open wound you're like no my whole face is open <laughs> gosh this sounds horrible guys. I'm gonna lie. <laughs> it is. honestly it is but like you have yeah, to like i hate to be you <laughs> and i'm trying to think really hard if i have a similar 
um, taboo behavior, but I can't, I can't think of any at the moment. I, I'm, uh, <laughs> cheating, <laughs> that's probably my taboo <laughs> Girl! I'm a serial cheater. <laughs> Does. Stop it. Yeah. This is the AA group. My name is Jan, and I am a serial cheater. <laughs> No, it's true. I this this relationship that I'm in now. Sorry to all of my exes who don't know this, but I don't think I've <laughs> I don't think I've ever I'm been so in a in any of my relationships. That's just the truth of it. Really? I don't. Not that I can recall. I mean, I know we spoke about cheating before on the podcast, but I didn't know it was to that extent. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> and here's my justification is that I move countries a lot, and sometimes <laughs> when sorry. You- Girl, when you're gonna have a justification for cheating, oh lord, protect Leanne. (laughs) I got holes in different area code, area code, code. (laughs) Leanne's got holes, (laughs) Leanne's got holes. Not anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm fully um reformed, yeah learned my lessons as you might have heard from the last episode that I did with my ex um mm-hmm. yeah, I've learned my I've learned from my errors and I am on I'm on the mend I'm on the mend I've sought therapy Brilliant. Myself a she's a new woman I'm a new woman Can I just uh, shout I get- accountability please first we love it honest and then you're now getting help to correct the error of your ways we shout out a woman in therapy <laughs> <laughs> the first step guys women cheating is probably quite taboo because I think we have this perception of what someone who cheats must be like and I think our listeners know Leanne well enough that like you are <laughs> no, no but like you don't live up to the let's just say it how it is you don't live up to the stereotypes of what people consider a cheater you know what I mean, like, I feel people consider cheaters like she's a home wrecker, she's a hoe, like this, that, and the third. But like, there's layers to it, and yeah. it's quite complex. Even within my cheating behavior, I think I've tried to maintain some boundaries. So I've never cheated on somebody else on with somebody who's also in a relationship. Um. So I'm right. Not- yeah. Wouldn't that be better though? No, because then you're affecting. Why? Right, you can ruin two relationships. <laughs> no, because then it's not. Then it's not really cheating, is it? Then it's just like a sign. A oh, sign. So you know? <laughs> a side hustle. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like no one's getting hurt really because both of you clearly want to be with your partners. Do you know what I mean? I mean, there are some people who might view it that way. <laughs> I love how Rashan tried to rescue it, and Leanne was I like, mean, that's how I view it. I feel like I don't know. I, feel, I don't know. You know. Um, do you something, guys- Leanne, something you do actually that that I thought was quite taboo, but I guess maybe I'm just more mature now. Is like even just being friends with your ex. Like in my head, I'm like, hmm, could I be with someone that was friends with their ex, or even be with someone friends with my ex? I'm not sure. But Leanne seems to manage it really healthily. <laughs> that is probably taboo behavior, and I have definitely been in relationships where it's been an issue. And here's the thing: I'm not friends with my exes immediately after. Like there has to be time and space for us to 
be apart, not speak to each other, not engage, which is why I said in the last episode that we did, I said, we're not really friends, but we're not enemies and we're somewhere in the middle. Mm. I'm hoping that doing that episode would bring us closer to being legitimate friends. But yeah, I mean, most of my exes, I guess we never really, well, they might be upset now that they know I've cheated on them, but before today, today, um, I think the relationships that I've been in ended for, they didn't end acrimoniously. And so kind of there not being any bad blood, it was just really time and space and distance Mm -hmm. that... um, that was needed for us to kind of, and I wouldn't say we're best friends, you know, I don't sit down and talk to them every day. I don't, I'm not, I'm, it's not like when I'm on the phone with Shan every day or messaging her, but I actually have an ex who every day, every Christmas Eve and every day, every Mother's Day, he calls me to make sure I'm okay. We do a little check-in, make sure, you know, each other is okay. And we've been, we've been friends, that's the definition of friendship. It's just somebody else, somebody that you know will look out for you if I needed to, you know, if I was on a, in an emergency and I needed some help, I wouldn't be afraid to call one of my exes and ask them for help, you know? Do you you guys not, are you guys not friends with any of your exes? Because lots of my friends think it's weird that I'm friends with my exes as well. Um, Yeah, I'm not friends with any. I'm definitely online. (laughs) Except for the last one. (laughs) Lol, that'll be a story for another day. Um, I'm definitely on like calm terms with them. Like if I see you, I can say hi. It's not awkward. I really hate you. I don't know if it's a phobia or what, but I really like the idea of being close to someone, romantic or platonic, and then bumping into them and not and things and the air not being clear really makes me feel very uncomfortable. So I always try to make sure that things are to some several of like some sort of level of being amicable. So there's no one that I've like dated in the past or spoke to in the past that I could walk past. And it could be awkward. Do you get what I mean? And like all of those people, it's just really good vibes. But I think I was re- doing a lot of reading recently about different things. And it's made me like question whether or not it's like a positive, like it's good to be, it's like whether or not it's okay to be friends of your ex. Mm. Do you get what I mean? And I also find that when I get, when I'm like on the verge of being in a serious relationship or when I'm like dating someone and I actually care about their opinions, because sometimes I don't care. Um, <laughs> With the type of guys that I go for, the idea that I'm talking that I'm still on good terms with my ex, something that they don't really like. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So now it's like, mm. is it is that a situation that I can bother to like try and defend or or um or like challenge? I don't know. Is that something that like if I ask you guys, do you think that's something that is that a reasonable expectation? Do you think? it's a reasonable expectation to be honest some people are uncomfortable with it like for me I've only ever dated men who are also friendly with their exes so what what that looks like and the kind of boundaries that they put in place is a different conversation because I don't expect you to be yapping on the phone with the girl at like 11 12 (laughs) but um, you know, if there's some connection via business or you guys were in a relationship for a really long time and you're still, the families are very still, you know, still very much connected, especially if you're dating somebody older who might have a kid or something like that. I think it's mm. kind of understandable. Mm. Um, but I don't think it's an unrealistic expectation for somebody to say, this makes me uncomfortable and it's not okay. As long as they're not doing the same thing. Yeah. 
Do you know what? Yeah, the family dynamic I find very weird. Yeah, not so much now, like in my age group, but like if I look at like um older people in my family or older relatives or whoever that I know, and I see that sort of dynamic where like one of them might have split up with they might have split up with a person, but they're still really close to their family. And it's like a new person present. That idea, I know it is common, but I still find it very weird. Because if I was that new person, I would be like, what on earth? Like, what is going on here? Mm. <laughs> Even though I know there's like levels to it and there's like different nuances and there's different things to consider as to why that might be the situation. But maybe I'm too insecure, I don't know. But I'll just be like, you need to tell her to move. <laughs> hey, <Sam. laughs> she needs to realise that I took her place, okay? And it's you know what I mean? This feels like you've got attachment <laughs> issues. Like, I don't get it. I think it's hard because it's kind of like um obviously if they're coming to family gatherings and whatnot that's one thing but at what point do you almost tell your partner so like say in Leanne's case it's like one of my exes you know we kind of thought but you know we're not like close friends and then he texts you on that mother's day and he drops you a line and your current partner is like oh who's that and you're like da-da-da. and he's like you talk to da-da-da? and you're like yeah but it's not a big deal and then they're like why don't you say anything and then it's like but I didn't want to make it a thing like I didn't want to make it seem bigger than it actually is you know the thing is as you were saying that I was literally thinking if that happened to me the person would have known they did that prior to that date but I think it's because I'm naturally a very transparent person and this is this is this is something I've learned in dating that I'll not be doing anymore I overshare <laughs> I tell them everything I'm too honest no more no more Boy, never again. Because, it, you know what, yeah, it actually creates insecurities in other person. Well, not, not all the time, not all the time. But it can, for some men, create insecurities that just don't need to be there. Do you understand what I mean? So for me, that sort of thing, I would tell you from the get-go, because I don't want awkward situations to happen now on Mother's Day where you're getting mad on a day that I should be reflecting because of a text message. Like, it's not that deep, it's a text. Do you get it? Is he, is, did he fly um... here? Is he in the bed next to us in the morning? <laughs> just chill out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So interestingly enough, that very scenario that you just um, proposed actually happened to me on my birthday. We were on holiday. I told you guys we went away to the country, did like a staycation. Yes, you did. Spending that money, honey, living on that beach, like on that boat. Yes, treat like a motherfucking queen. I'm a fucking princess because that's who you are. Doctorate, honey, (laughs) doctorate, baby. Well, it didn't really end that well. Um, Actually, (laughs) so on my birthday or the day after my birthday, when we're getting ready to go back to Kingston, one of my exes called to wish me happy birthday. And actually in being the transparent oversharing person that I am, you know, I started chit chatting with the person and I was like, oh, you know, yeah, I'm here with my, my partner or whatever we're on you know we're doing a staycation and then I put him on speakerphone and I was like oh no you're doing a lot you're doing way too much much. the answer I made it a three-way call are you mad I'll punch in your neck for that no obviously I don't condone violence I'm just joking you want to talk to him you want to say hello everyone get involved family reunion I was like hey John meet uh you know Patrick, whatever, using pseudonyms, pseudonyms, obviously. Uh, I was like, hey, John, meet Patrick. Patrick, meet John. Started a full conversation between the three of them. And he was very, my partner was very, very, very accommodating until I hung up the phone. He was acting. (laughs) He He was acting. He said, until. (laughs) 
he is waiting for that Oscar because man was acting his heart out. Acting his <laughs> proper Golden Globe behavior because let me tell you, crossing that put down from Negril to Kingston, which is a hard <laughs> drive. So I never get so much cussing in my life. It was like, yeah, it was, it was. And so I've learned, as Shan pointed out, to not overshare. That's the but, other. But in that situation, just, I mean, not to pry too much into your business because it's an active one. But in that situation, was the issue more <laughs> to do with like the phone call or like everything? Oh, it was the, the issue was the length of the phone call. So not, and fact, I think that's, that's fair enough. Yeah. Which I completely agree with. Like I held my hands yeah. up and like, yeah. 45 minutes is a long time to 45 get... 45 minutes! <laughs> 45 minutes! You're taking that absolutely... I thought you were going to say 10 at the 15. very, very most. Lives. I thought 15. I thought, okay, five minutes when she was chatting. 10 minutes, time to wrap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 45. Leanne, that's longer than Eastenders episode. You need to chill out. <laughs> that is a short film. Do you, know, do you know how out of order that is? That's actually an album. Do you get it? You listen to a whole album from track one to 11. No, stop. Stop. What's going on? I'm so happy you got the cussing for half an hour. From the grill to he deserved it. He should have given you 45 minutes. I wanted to get out of the car. I made you walk and reflect on your actions. Yeah, it was wild. So I had hands up and I took responsibility. I was accountable. But yeah, it was more the length of the call rather than the call itself. Like the call itself wasn't, because as I said, he's friends with some of his exes as well, you know. Um, mm-hmm. as, as a matter of fact, one of whom I've invited over for Christmas dinner this year. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, hold what? on. One of you his exes. Your, sorry, your, your, yeah, sorry, what's so going on? Actually, Shan, this is a good question because you've dated per- people with kids before as well, right? Okay. So my current- My, my, back, my, gas, like, my back is against the wall already. <laughs> My current she already feels attacked. <laughs> my current partner has a child. Yeah. And, um, I met this child recently. He's not a child, he's actually a grown man. He's like in his let's call him in his teens for the sake mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. And he's coming for Christmas this year. You know, we've invited him to come for Christmas this year. Lovely. Like, you know, if you want to bring your mom, you should bring her along. Can I pause you a minute and just ask a quick question? Yeah. Is he an only child for that mom? Yeah. Has the mom now got a partner? Uh, I'm not sure, actually. I don't know. Okay, okay. carry on. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the end of the story. And so, right. <laughs> so that is my t- that is the important question that I'd need to know. I don't understand. Why did you invite her? Sorry. Well, because you know, I don't want to start this new family with this individual without making his son feel like he can be a part of his family and he's extremely close to his mom, like extraordinarily close to his mom. The thing is for me, yeah, I feel like as long as you feel comfortable in that situation and you've built up enough rapport with the son by that time to still feel comfortable in that situation, then I feel like it's fine. But I don't necessarily think that that was necessary for your end goal. (laughs) I feel like, no, if I'm keeping it honest, like don't, you could have easily, for example, you could have easily have celebrated, what's that thing called? Um, Thanksgiving. You could have done Thanksgiving together. Do you know what I mean? You could have done a, a, a celebration around Christmas time or not on Christmas Day together okay. instead. I feel like there's other ways to still get that end goal, personally. I feel like, but maybe it's because of how much I value Christmas and Christmas is so important to me, um, especially in regards to like who I would spend the day with. And with this being like one of your first few Christmas with this, your significant other, I would... I personally would want to make sure the day just goes perfect. 
And I feel like that, adding that to the mix is a wild, a very much of a wild card. But you've got lots of time to evoke the invite. So <laughs> let's just see how the, let's just go let's see how things go from now and then. On the plus side, because you've got this big like goal at the end of the year, it means that you're gonna have to naturally have met or conversated between now and then. So that might actually be a really good a really good thing because now you're gonna build a rapport naturally because you've got that end goal. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. But that's good advice. That's great advice. I've never actually dated someone with kids before, so um Shan's been giving me tips. Uh, <laughs> intermittently every now and again. Because yeah, I feel like with the situation that I had, that I had no, like, it changed my perspective. I think before I was in that situation, I was very much like, I would never be a guy with kids. I would never, never, never. And then actually the, the mother of his child didn't cause any problems. She was completely drama free. Do you get what I mean? So it was like, oh. it was able to, it was easy to be very amicable in situations. But I'm thinking even even with that situation where I was very amicable with her and the setup with his son and so forth, I still don't think it would need to be to the extent of she's spending Christmas with me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Especially when the child's an adult. If the child was five years old, four years old, and you don't want to confuse him or you want to, you know, um, tra- make that transition period smoothly so that from now on after that Christmas, they're coming by themselves. I get it. Maybe to an extent. But when you're a big child, you don't need to be doing that. <laughs> There's no reason. Oh. Come by yourself. You don't need your mom. I mean, I do get it in the sense that, like, you said that he's an only child. And just say for argument's sake, she's single. Like, she would potentially be spending Christmas by herself. Like, I'm sure she has other family. But it's nice that you've opened that invitation to be like, you know, this isn't a separate family that you're mm-hmm. not a part of. This isn't something separate. You're still... A part of this and like Roshan says like you have plenty of time to, to meet her beforehand mm-hmm. like even if you were to meet her one-on-one because if this person is coming to your house you on Christmas to do that, day, even. this is a must <laughs> yeah no you need if this person is coming to your house on Christmas day you want to be there, like I feel comfortable with this person yeah so like yeah go out and drink with them because imagine the worst thing that could happen is you know those situations yeah where someone's there who you don't feel completely comfortable with and somehow you get the situation where it's just the two of you in a room and you're like, yeah, oh God. Long. It's long. It's, oh, long. it's long, isn't it? That's <laughs> why my first thing was, if you feel comfortable, the first thing I said was literally, if you feel comfortable around that person. Because if you know, mm-hmm. if you know it's not going to affect your day in a, in a, in a, um, in a big way, because of course it's, it might be a bit awkward at the start or might be a bit nervous or whatever, then, then, then that, I think that's fine. I think blended families are really important. And I think what society don't do is, show stories and situations like this enough i've seen really really positive examples of blended families i don't find them a scary thing at all but i'm also aware that a lot of people have had quite traumatic experiences and quite um uncertain experiences that make the idea of something like that be quite scary so what you're doing i think is great i just i was just saying like on the other hand there's other ways to still get that same goal for sure for sure and it has to be comfortable for everybody not just me like it can't just be my approach is the way because if she's not comfortable then you know I have to try something different the good or- thing is that you can cook do you know what I mean because if that was me I'd be all shaky shaky <laughs> <laughs> yeah she might cuss you but she cannot cuss your cooking so do you know what I mean? good. <laughs> so many taboos in this world honestly and on that topic of family one other taboo that I wanted to to bring up that I don't know why I've been thinking about it recently, but I just have. I guess maybe because it was Mother's Day. I don't know. But um, women who are fearful of having kids, 
mm-hmm. because of it's just it's a huge pressure that's me and it, <laughs> yes and it's, yeah it's something I think about a lot that like um you know part like when someone asks you do you want kids the kind of automatic thing is to be like yeah yeah of course I want kids but when I really deep it I'm like what if it goes really wrong like what if it goes really badly <laughs> and it's just like me. Yeah, and honestly, girl, I have anxiety already. Like, <laughs> bringing a child into this world. And it's just like, I guess because, like, we speak about mental health a lot, psychology and, like, people. And, you know, so much of it goes back to your childhood yeah. and how you were raised and the kind of childhood you have. And it's just so much pressure to, yeah, like, how this person turns out is basically down to you. And I don't feel like men get that same kind of pressure yeah I, I completely agree with you I, I know mine is definitely a direct trauma response to growing up mine isn't like the my so with me it's not about how I would perform as a mom um I don't even think that I'm naturally that's not that's something that comes natural to me um but I think mine would be and it's crazy because I literally like was confident someone about this the other day but mine would be this scenario I have a child of someone and they end up being a shit dad I would never be able to live with myself ever again. So the way I view the world is, is that like, we're all meant to be here to change the script of what our generational story is. Do you get what I mean? So my dad was a bit higgledy-haggledy when I was growing up. He's great now, but he was higgledy-haggledy. And that higgledy-haggledy comes from a lot of trauma. Do you understand what I mean? A lot of emotional turbulence. It's a lot of disruption that I just didn't need to go through as a child. Like no one would literally pick that out as like a dad to have for their child. As I said before, like now he's great and whatever. So in, in, with me changing that generational cycle, the pressure is now on me to make sure that my child has a dad that provides them with every, everything that my dad didn't and more. Do you get what I mean? So now I have this pressure mm-hmm. of like meeting someone and judging them first as a father before even a partner. Because I think if something was to happen and I got pregnant and we were to split up or whatever, I've got a bank on the fact that they're going to be a good dad. And that idea just freaks me the fuck out, like completely. And it's scary because I'm, it's only now you say that where I've actually deeped it. Because when I was talking, to, I have a relative that had a child recently and they put, I actually have two relatives that put, two people that I know that put this on their statuses recently. Basically one was saying their daughter said something like, oh, are you going to find someone who loves you because I need a dad? That was one. And then the other person, oh, I was wow. them, and they were basically saying that they feel really down because the dad's become like really narcissistic and not a re- basically not a positive person and she feels guilty because she's now going to make her child grow up with that person as a dad and I was like really confident to that person and it was genuine and I was basically saying like you can't take that responsibility for how that person's chose to now be do you get what I mean all you can do is be the best mum that mm-hmm. you can be so whilst when it's not me I can rationalize it and look at it like objectively I'm not even a mum yet and I still feel that same pressure that she feels having now been a new mum. Do you get what I mean? Did Does your mm-hmm. dad being higgity-haggity, as you put it, um, does that come from her, <laughs> from trauma that he went through as well? Like, does he have the general? Of course. <laughs> of course. It's down to me. I have to stop it, Leanne. I have to stop it. And there's so much pressure that comes of it. But it has to end here. It has to. I have a friend who had a kid with a guy knowingly both of them were on it like ready to go ready to have his child and then literally the day before she gave birth he disappeared and went where oh wow to florida 
and then just for like the first years of the child's life and then came back and was like hey I want to be a dad now and 10 years later he's still trying to quote unquote trying to be a good dad but really just doing a very half-assed job of showing up mm-hmm. when it's in, when he thinks it's important but not really being present and and it's hard for a woman because at some on some level you want them to have some interaction with their father but at the same end you have to protect your child from the the trauma that you're speaking of as well it's like it's it's really it's a really difficult situation for women to be in yeah I guess I think that um you know to some extent uh, and things are changing like of course they're changing but I think to some extent we still live in a society where it's like you know as a woman your ultimate goal in life should be to have children should be to give birth and have children and then it's supposed to be the most magical experience and it's supposed to be the best thing that ever happened to you and it's supposed to just be like this inner just desire that you don't question and I guess what I'm scared of what I think is a taboo is like you know what what if what if you're just not into the maternal like what if you just don't have that maternal twang or what if you just are it's I think people don't realize what a huge responsibility is almost that when you say oh I'm not sure if I would have kids people are like why and you as if like it's not something you should think long and hard about do you know it's funny because I I guess because of my age this conversation is starting to come up a lot more with some of my friends many of whom have actually decided that they don't want to have kids like I have a couple girlfriends who are nearing Mm. 40 and they're just like yeah well I'm I'm not interested not even that it's too late but just like I'm not interested and it seems to be and they face a lot of that outcome and what it made me realize is that for me like Shan said I'm not even I don't think I'll be a bad mother like I think I'd be a good mother as much as I can control what that looks like but actually I don't what scares the shit out of me is actually the process of giving birth and it's something that we don't know. Oh my watch. days. Uh, <laughs> a lot of videos I've watched and freak myself out. Girl, I, I saw that one in sex education and I was like, that is enough for me. Thank you. No more. Videos in sex education. We didn't have any videos. It was like, don't have sex. Yeah, we had a video. It was, it was literally like, here is the woman's vagina. It was like some old 80s, like someone had clearly like, the husband was filming the birth happening. I wonder where they are now. <laughs> but yeah like her vagina was shown in like every school in the UK <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting because I think we talk about women ha- becoming mothers and we don't actually talk about the process like I don't really talk to my girlfriends about what their birthing process was like like did they cut you did they not cut you did you you know did you have a c-section versus did you push the baby out it's not I don't I don't know the nitty-gritty details other than one of my girls oh. telling me that it was a lie and she'll never have kids ever again she has she said it was a lie. it's not this magical process that she was <laughs> it's painful it hurts don't let them trick you pregnancy is the worst experience that she's ever like she said it's the worst <laughs> experience of her life um she's happy she has the kid but she's like if I have another kid I'm getting a surrogate <laughs> it's not deep <laughs> But yeah, the process of giving birth scares the shit out of me, big time. 100%. You know, you hear these horror stories about how, like, your vagina and your bum can, like, split yeah, into no, one no. hole. I'm like, girl, 
I don't no, know about that. You can't actually stop, man. Wait, you ever see that? That what's the show where they go on TV? I think it's a Channel Four show where they go on TV with their medical illnesses and they want somebody to fix it for free, essentially. Oh, oh, embarrassing, embarrassing bodies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a woman that went on there that ripped from back to front, like stop it right now. Essentially, what they did was they they sewed her back up, but they did such a shoddy job that like her vagina and anus were essentially attached to each other stop it right now and it was the most horrific thing i've ever seen in my entire life like they fixed it but her vagina will never be the same again girl and i would yeah have that's, that's, that's vagina intact i don't know about anybody else 100 <laughs> even stuff like um you know and this kind of goes full circle when we talked about scars but like obviously you get stretch marks um when when you're pregnant and when you give birth and it's not until more recently that you know I've seen social media pages that promote body positivity I didn't realize like how severe some people's stretch marks get you know it's not something we talk about it's not something you see in the media like some women you know it's like the whole of their stomach even after the baby's born and you just you just don't see that you just don't see it people don't talk about it and then there's this like long I'm gonna sound so ignorant to women that have already given birth but that long dark <laughs> line down the middle of your stomach I don't know if you yeah where does that come from like nobody talks about these things nobody talks about it. you never see it like even when like on tv shows where you see a pregnant person girl her belly is like glowing and her <laughs> it's perfect and I'm like what kind of pregnancy is this yeah and nobody talks about the acne the nose Mm. broadening thing like there are so many your feet going (laughs) (laughs) the only positive is that your hair gets thicker (laughs) (laughs) thicker and longer falling out and who lose their edges once they give birth one of my girlfriends lost her for like two years oh my gosh exactly how do you walk around with no edges for two years? Like, excuse me, right now, my, <laughs> left, my left edge is moving a bit mad. <laughs> you don't walk around, you just hide it. <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do to survive in the jungle. <laughs> oh, stop it. The other thing I think of, yeah, you know, when you see pregnant women who just look so fashionable and they just carry themselves yeah. so well, I will be wearing a nightdress for nine months. I wear a nightdress now. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hope it will give me a pregnancy glow up. <laughs> There's no way I'm making any effort at all. I'm sorry. <laughs> Why should you? And you shouldn't have to. Like, you don't have to glorify pregnancy when you're going through it or pretend like it's a great experience if it's not. Although some women have a great experience and they rave about it but yeah I feel like you should be as comfortable as humanly possible you don't be that mom that's like wearing heels in the middle of oh no pregnancy that was definitely my mom she wore heels all the way to the end <laughs> <laughs> you cannot take heels out of my mom really yeah, yeah. she only started she only started wearing trainers <sighs> like two years ago maybe if that you see mom wears heels all the time that's so funny like well less now because she works for herself but but definitely when she worked for um 
like heels or flat, like just like just generally like flat, smart and shoes. She literally, she literally, when I, whenever I see her in trainers, I still find it a shock. Like, oh my gosh, you're in Nikes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Bougie till the end, baby. So those are some of our taboos, guys. Hopefully you found it interesting. And if you found it a little uncomfortable, well, that's the point. Um, but yeah, let us know what your <laughs> let us Lips know what your then so be it. <laughs> then so be it, honey. But yeah, we'll be interested to know what your taboos are. So get in contact and follow us on all the usual places. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um and yeah, we will see you next week. We've got some more episodes coming up from us individually where we'll be exploring more issues. So keep subscribed keep listening keep supporting the movement do the damn thing guys we'll be back with you next week until then stay blessed and unapologetically black all the way black blackity black 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 (laughs) tassie